Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of Let's Run, the Western Mass Running Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Gaudet. This podcast is made possible thanks to the resources at East Hampton Media. In my last podcast in February, I announced that my plan was to release 12 podcasts for 2022. I'm still sticking to this plan, although I'm falling behind my one-per-month pace. I'll need to have some negative splits to reach my goal for the year. This spring, I joined the 4Run3 Marathon Training Group, organized by Jill and Tim Murphy, in order to prepare for this year's Boston Marathon, which is less than two weeks away. I recommend a 4Run3 training group to anyone looking to prepare for a race of any distance, whether it be a 5K, 10K, half, or full marathon. I love the camaraderie of running with a group, and Jill provides helpful training tips. While discussing the podcast with Jill, she suggested that Wilbraham native Bill Wells would be a great guest as he has run over 30 marathons and some ultra marathons and has also written a couple of books. Jill handed me a copy of one of Bill's books, Run for Rwanda. I finished it during a recent vacation in Aruba. You don't need to be a runner to enjoy it. I reached out to Bill and he agreed to record a podcast conversation with me. Bill has raised quite a bit of money for various charities through his running and his books. On Saturday, April 23rd, Bill will be running for 24 straight hours to raise funds for suicide prevention and mental health awareness. I think you'll agree that Bill is a very interesting guy. Here's my conversation with Bill Wells, and stay tuned afterwards for a summary of local running events. I would like to now welcome Bill Wells to the Let's Run podcast. Bill lives in Wilbraham and is currently the Director of Student Promotion at Wilbraham and Munson Academy. Prior to working at Wilbraham and Munson, Bill was a sports writer for 25 years at the Springfield Republican newspaper, where he wrote a running column and covered high school sports. Bill is an accomplished long distance runner, completing over 30 marathons, as well as a number of ultra marathons. Bill has used some of his ultra marathons to raise money for a number of local charities, including an upcoming event to support suicide prevention and mental health awareness. We'll get into more detail during our conversation. Bill has also authored two books, Run for Rwanda and Uno. More recently, Bill has been writing screenplays and has directed and produced a few short videos. So Bill, welcome to the Let's Run podcast. Hi, Tim. Thank you very much for having me. So, Bill, it's so good to meet with you. Um, Jill Murphy had given me a copy of your book, Run for Rwanda, and I thoroughly enjoyed it while sitting on the beach under a palapa in Aruba. But before we get into your books and your running, I'd like to go back in time a bit and talk about your running column in the Springfield Republican. So how did you get your job writing a running column for the paper? Yeah, I was very fortunate. I was a sophomore at Springfield College. And I had Gary Brown, the great Gary Brown, as my sports writing teacher. And then in October that year, he asked me and another fella, hey, would you like to cover some high school football games for $25? It was like, 25 bucks? Let's go. (laughs) So I started working at the newspaper when I was um, 19. And a few weeks later, there used to be a race at Springfield College, the Mike Swirsky 5K. I was in good shape. I was. I came in fourth. 
and the sports editor at the time, Dick Osgood, was there. And he said, hey, Wellesy, <laughs> I need somebody to cover a race next weekend. Can you do it? It's like, sure. So not, <laughs> not knowing the area, not knowing a soul. Like, yeah, tell me where. So I started covering road races in the fall of 1987. So was that a weekly column? Uh, no, that was just a race. I started covering races. So I covered, okay. I started covering all the big races in 87. Nancy Cons won that race. Then I covered a race the next week and Brent Kuhn won the race and I screwed up his last name. I put Brent Cons. <laughs> what you do when you're 19. Yeah. So you must have covered the Holyoke St. Patrick's Day road race? Yes, every I, to the point where I never ran in it because I was always covering it. And it's evolved over the years. It's, uh, yeah. it's quite an after party now. So. Yeah. No, it's, just, it's an event. It's, it's not just a race. It's an event. But I started my column around 1992. Uh, Ozzy didn't want to do it anymore. He asked me to do it. I said, sure. And then I did it. Um, I left the newspaper in 2012. So I had that column for about 20 years. It's great. So you mentioned Gary Brown. So um, one of the highlights of my own running was uh, when I got a shout out from Gary and his hitting the all fields column. So back in, in 2016, I had completed two marathons in two weeks because I ran Boston and I was like a minute over my qualifying time. Uh, so then a friend convinced me, Yo, you know, you're in shape. Just run. run. There's a race. The Holyoke Marathon is in two weeks. Just run that. Piece <laughs> so, of cake. Yeah, piece of, <laughs> and I did. And I, and I did qualify. Wow. Um, but then somebody tipped Gary off. I saved the news item here. <laughs> a friend of mine laminated it for yeah. me. And uh, so he, he, Gary called me senior athlete of the year. <laughs> Who didn't want to be in Gary's hitting tall fields? I worked with a guy. I wanted to be in it. <laughs> I enjoyed reading his column for many years. Uh, so anyway, yeah, this shout out from Gary. I, I have it laminated. And it, you know, I have a room in the house where I keep all my running medals and <laughs> So, so you run a lot of races. Do you have a room in your home where you keep all your bibs and bling and, and medals? And Yeah. A few years ago, I bought a little uh, stand and yep, I tack in all the bibs and I hang, it has some hooks. So I hang all the medals. So um, I, I, and then I also have a, a framed just piece of paper that I print out after every time I run a marathon or an ultra marathon. So kind of an ongoing list. So they're right down there in my basement. I know a lot of runners who do do the same thing. So, but back to the paper. So do you think there's still a place for a running column in print journalism, particularly in, in the age of the internet? Uh, I would like to think so, but, uh, but the last 10 years tells me otherwise. Um, I, it's just so funny. It was a, uh, it was an industry as I loved. Oh, I couldn't get enough. I loved going to work every day. And um, it was a thriving business. And, um, and to think, you know, what's happened to it here over the last 25 years, who would have guessed that? So then after 25 years, you decided to make a career change a few years ago to your current position at Wilbraham and Munson Academy. So what made you decide to make this career change? Yeah, so... I had a child in 10th grade, a child in eighth. I loved my job. I did. But two college educations were on the horizon. 
And I was offered a job at Wilbraham and Munson Academy. They created a position for me. I, I happened to know someone over there. He got me an interview with the head of school at the time, and they created a spot for me. And it was just too good to pass up. And here's something everybody can relate to. My commute was one stop sign. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, close yeah. to driving to downtown Springfield. I live in Southampton and I had a commute of say 45 miles. I worked at Pratt and Whitney in East Hartford. So yeah. um, I, I had about an hour commute. Yeah. That's, it's almost as good as working from home. Right. It was, it was darn yeah. close. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so you're director of student promotion. You get involved with uh, youth sports at all at, at Wilbraham and Munson coaching running um, or, or. Well, what I'm involved in is promoting the students in the school any way possible. Uh, for example, a group of our ninth graders just won a national award for a, a project they entered into a contest. Okay, so I make sure that gets promoted. What else have I done here recently? Well, our boys basketball team has players going to Duke, Princeton, and Harvard. So um, they finished their season number one in the conference. So a lot of a lot of promoting for them. So so anything to promote our students and our school. Awesome. So you've um, you have coached uh, youth sports in, in Wilbraham. In fact, you've done so much that um, you were inducted into the Wilbraham Friends of Recreation Hall of Fame. So how did that feel? That was great. And what was best was uh, so many people that I worked closely with over the years, uh, I invited and they came to the event. So um, so it was nice to just kind of share share the moment who were so close to me during those times. So what sports uh, did you coach? The list of what coach didn't I? No, uh, sport didn't you coach? I didn't coach might be shorter. The biggies were baseball. That was that was really what I got in for was uh, fund. I did a lot of fundraising in town for the baseball program. Helped raise some money to improve our fields. That was a biggie. But I also loved coaching field hockey. I had some great teams, great kids, just like real blue collar kids. They just showed up and did what their coach asked. And that was it. So it was just, it was just so refreshing to be part of. So that's awesome. So let's talk about your running. Um, so how long have you been a runner? Yep. I remember that. I was a hockey player growing up and not a very good one uh, in Maine. And um, the sophomore year, I was probably the worst kid on the high school team. And I was just determined not to be like that. So fall of my junior year, I was like, okay, I'm going to go out for soccer and I'm, I'm going to get in shape. Well, the soccer coach just had no interest in, no interest in me whatsoever. I knew the cross country coach. So I say, coach Ashton, you mind, mind if I come out for cross country? Sure, Bill, come on out. We'd love to have you. So uh, ever since then, um, I've run. But interesting story, even though I had a good year that year and my senior year, I was captain. I didn't consider myself a runner until my spring senior year. Uh, I will never forget this day. It's one of those days where you, your life kind of pivots a little bit. I went to school with my baseball glove and my running shoes in my backpack. I always played baseball mm -hmm. growing up. I had no idea what I was going to do that day, but it ultimately came down to one thing, my hockey season. Um, I didn't play too much. Love being part of the team, but I just didn't play that much. And I was determined. I, I was not going to sit the bench my last season of high school sports 
And I knew if I ran, I wasn't going to be sitting the bench. And I ran. And ever since that day, I have been a runner. So did you run in the 800 meter event? Like the young character in the book run for Rwanda? Yes, I was I was a middle distance guy. I was a mile. So, was that, uh, so that was your event in the 800 meter? Yes, it was. So it seems like there's a lot of some similarities between, let's say, the characters in the book and your own personal life. Right. One of the main characters was from Maine, like you were. <laughs> yeah, Tim, that's what's called a rookie mistake. <laughs> yeah, that, that book, I, the idea of the story, I love the idea of the story. But yeah, I took the, one of the helpful hints I got early was write what you know. So I was like, well, okay, I'll write what I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I took that a little too literally. So, yeah. but, I, but I did enjoy writing, writing that book. I actually wrote it first as a screenplay having no idea how to write screenplays. I was just writing a story. And when I got done and properly formatted it, not knowing up from down, I had a 240 page screenplay, which is the equivalent to about a four hour movie. <laughs> so, um, it's not the Godfather. So I realized, okay, no, this is pointless. No one's going to do anything with a four hour movie. So I actually switched the format to a novel. And I remember at that point, I was about 52,000 words. Um, and I kept going. Well, the and, book's uh, pretty thick. It's it's almost two inches thick and it's like over 600 pages. And when, when, when Jill gave it to me, she said, Hey, you might like this book. And, and I'm thinking to myself, when am I going to have time to read this? <laughs> But it's yeah. but it's double spaced and it's uh it was an I found it to be an easy read it was um it, it was a real page turner I I enjoyed it thank you thank you very much it was good so when was your first marathon first marathon yeah that was Clarence Demar all right you're gonna make me look at my sheet here Tim good, good <laughs> yep that was September of 2000 I was 32 years old had been wanting to do one, was in good enough shape to do it. I wasn't in, I wasn't in my best shape at that point with two kids and a job. I can only put so much time into it. And um, yep. So Clarence tomorrow. And then I did one four weeks later. Wow. And then what was kind of interesting was I took, I took 10 years off until I did anything else. So, but did you run during the years in between? Yeah. But, I do like three miles here and there, but I, I remember though, oh, what year was that? 2010, I was very happy walking a mile and a half a day. It was just like, it was just the time I wanted to put in, I found it relaxing, I could fit it into my schedule. And then Seth Roberts started the Seth's Fat Ass 50K in... Forest Park. I'm familiar with that. Yeah. So uh, I knew Seth. So I went down. I, wa- I wanted to help promote this race. So I went down there as a run as the running writer and um, covered it from start to finish. Full article, newspaper. There we go. And right around that same time, there was a girl in Wilbraham who had a type of disease that had no known cure, neurofibromatosis sweet little girl, nice family. And uh, I wanted, I wanted to do something. So I said, I, I'm going to run that 50 K and I'm going to raise $50,000. So the next year, that's what I did. 
Wow. Yeah, that was, uh, I believe that was 2011. Yes. And that's really what started my uh, using running as fundraisers. So that was when you decided, I guess, that just a marathon distance, 26.2, just wasn't enough. And, and you decided mm-hmm. to uh, move into ultra marathons. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was the 50K and I thought I could raise $50,000. So it seemed like a perfect match. So I thought I'd give it a go. So the way you did that, then you, you did you you ran all Seth's fat ass because uh, then the next year you, you did it again, but for raising money for a different cause. In 2012, you ran 36 miles, which is Seth's fat ass, 31 miles, plus an additional five. So you just kept doing the loops. You, you did a bunch more loops through Forest Park to right. get to 36. So uh, just right. you talk about that event. Yeah. So for people who live in Springfield and greater Springfield area, Springfield officer Kevin Ambrose, who was killed in the line of duty during a domestic violence situation, he was my neighbor. So when he had a granddaughter, it's like, oh, okay, so how can I help out? So, well, same thing. I'll just use my legs and try and raise some money to go forward a college fund for his granddaughter. So, and I picked the 36 because he, he served 36 years on the Springfield force. Wow. So that was the significance of the 36. It's a great thing that you do, uh, you know, raising money for charitable causes mm-hmm. through your running. So I, I want to just step back to your marathon running for a bit. I believe you, you ran the Boston marathon in, in 2013, which was right. the year of the bombing. Could you tell me what was your experience that day? Yeah. Um, my first Boston, really not knowing what to expect. Chilly day. And I had gotten a bib from a guy I know whose neighbor works in the FBI and they had two bibs. So we got one. So, okay, great. I remember. So up to that point, all my marathons had been like around 355, four hours, somewhere in there. Well, I'd gotten hurt about a month before Boston. Yeah, maybe it was two months. Anyway, I missed my last two long runs. So I just wasn't in shape. I I remember building back up. I got up to seven miles. So I go into Boston with a seven miler under my belt. And um, I get right before the hills. I'm at 15. I'm like spot on my time. And um, I go up that first hill. It's like, oh, boy, okay, this is going to be tough. But I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Second hill. I was done. Quads exploded. Over. So I'm just plugging away at that point. Most of us have been there, just those exploded quads. And mm-hmm. my gosh, you'll do anything for the race to be over. Well, I had 10 miles to go <laughs> with the hills. So plugging away, plugging away, plugging away. I had just gotten to the point where it says you have one mile to the finish. Wow. Uh, thank God. Like immediately I see these cop carts bombing by. It's like this I know it's Boston, but this mm-hmm. isn't right. Run just a little bit further. Barricade across the road. Like, what's going on? And someone said a bomb went off at the, at the finish line. My first reaction was terrorism. But then I thought about it a little more. I was like, well, maybe it was a gas line because it was 
six months. Remember, there was a gas explosion in Springfield. I remember that. Yes. So I was like, geez, maybe it was a gas explosion. Well, we're not going anywhere anyway. So this is over. So fortunately, my friend had come up behind me. So we're together. And I got real lucky. Selfishly got real lucky. I got somebody's phone, called my wife, who was with her mom at the finish line. Okay. Are you okay? Yes. Our son had already contacted her to say he was okay. So like, all right, we're fine. But I, I will tell you what, walking back, trying to find my wife, which was hard because it was just chaos at that point. The only thing I can compare it to was the 9-11 videos I've seen of people walking by with just that glaze in their eye. Yeah. Just like, mm. they're, who's home? Is anybody home? Yeah. And um, that's the best thing I can. Um, yeah, so sad. Yeah. 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 But so you ran it the following year. And of course, that year, I think the BAA wanted to show that, hey, we're back and we're not going to be intimidated. And I think they had a larger field even that mm -hmm. year. And, and what was the atmosphere like then? Yeah, there, it was great. It was very positive. I wasn't nervous at all. I felt I was kind of in the safest place in America <laughs> at that point. So no, it, was, uh, it was a wonderful, uh, wonderful event. It's funny. That's when Boston really... I obviously always respected Boston, but that's when I trained exactly for that race. I'd go up to Belchertown, I'd park at the McDonald's on 202. I'd run five miles out, five miles back, and then I'd head up 202. So it's like eight miles uphill. I'm running. I did it twice for my 18 miler and wow. my 20 miler. <laughs> wow. I got to this top. Of, I got, I had one hill to go on the Boston Hills that second time. And I was like, Done. That's a wrap. Oh, no. <laughs> <See you> later. <laughs> <Yeah>. Quads <laughs> had enough. <laughs> I also think that was warm that day. I look back and and I think I just wasn't drinking enough. Well, yeah, my my first Boston was the year after that, 2015. And, okay. Uh, that was um actually it was a nice cool day. That day it was in the 40s, light rain. It was perfect running weather. Yeah. So yeah. I was lucky. Any other marathons stand out? I, I see that you're wearing the, uh, the Philadelphia Marathon shirt from 2019. And right. incidentally, I was there the same day that you were. <laughs> I have the same shirt. I'm sure you passed me. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but but it was, um, I remember that day. It was, it was pouring rain in the morning. Yeah. It was in the dark. I remember we were huddled under a tent right you know, near the starting area. And um, the rain was coming down. And just before the race started, the rain kind of backed off it really wasn't yeah. bad uh running the race yeah 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 a couple of sprinkles here and there i remember in a park but um yeah nothing to speak of yeah. we saw at the um midway point uh, meb meb was there and um mm. there was Ooh, uh, yeah it was meb and des linden they were at the 13.1 um, mark so any local events stand out st patty's day race you're from wilbraham perhaps you've run the turkey trot I think the one that stands out, it's a good question. The one that stands out the most is probably the Holyoke Marathon. Oh, okay. Yeah. What year? So that would have been 12. Okay. Uh, let's see, let me check my sheet. Yeah, that's a tough one. That was yeah. tough because um, it finished yeah, up the, the hill. Course, yes. And that was it. So what happened was I had done the 50K 
for the fundraiser in December. I was like, okay, I'm in shape. I've never run Holyoke before. I'm going to go run Holyoke. So I was in okay shape. I was. And uh, went out fine, exact pace. And I, I get even with this group of guys. And in there is Seth Roberts' son, Frank, who was probably at least five years younger than me, maybe 10, and in much better shape. Well, we take off. Oh, so we're clipping out some good miles, like 10 through 17, just knock them, knocking them out. Well, I start to slow down a little bit. I just, I couldn't hit the brakes. I just kept getting slower and slower. And sure enough, like right when I'm gassed, you take the turn on the route five and it was like, oh my God, I got to run up that thing. <laughs> so I remember my daughter, my daughter meeting me along the, the hill and running down to get me, I'm walking and she starts running. I just kept walking. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. she came back yeah. down, started kind of jogging in place. So I was like, okay. So I just one in front of the other at that point. I ran it a few years later and the course was changed where it starts and ends on route five. Mm-hmm. So that you, you get that hill maybe in mile three, as opposed to mile 26. <laughs> so, but I'm really glad I did it also because the, the Holyoke Marathon, well, just being the running writer at the Republican for so long, I covered it every year. And I enjoyed covering it, but also my wife and her dad ran it one year, but my father-in-law, who many people might know is Russ Holt, one of the mm-hmm. all-time great runners oh, yeah. in the area. Yeah. Yeah. And um, in, the, in the late 60s, Olympic trials marathon qualifier in uh, 1968, came in the top 50 at the trials, I believe. Wow. Um, so anyway, in 19... 19- 1992, he ran it with his daughter, and that is where I met my wife. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. She won. She, she set a course record in 311, and, um, oh. and he, ran, he ran every step of the way with her. So, um, so you're a runner, and your wife's from a, a running family, so you, do your kids run? Yep, our son did. Yeah, our yeah. son had a very good high school career. And then he ran for four years for Obi up at UMass. And then um, he was injured for a couple of years. So he ran his final year at Boston College. Wow. Impressive. So have you ever run up, Mun- I'm sure you have, but Munson Road in Wilbraham? It used to be one of my favorite runs because from my house, it's about 13 miles. And I loved it. It was like, perfect. And, um, but I, I got a mystery injury a couple of years ago and mm-hmm. the specialist said, I don't know what it is, but stay off hills. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> Boy, stay off hills. Yeah. Well, w- Wolverham has a lot of hills. Right. So I belong to the empire one running club. And, and mm-hmm. a few years ago, we, one of our members, uh, Rick Rubin used to organize a group. We'd go on Wednesday evenings and we we meet at the church on Main Street. And then yep, we'd do like church. either a five or a seven mile loop and go up that hill on, on Munson Road. And we called it Ruben's Romp. <laughs> and then, of course, the Thanksgiving Day race. Yep. I remember the first time I did it, but I wasn't aware of the hill. <laughs> and right. It was quite a shock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's no avoiding it either. There's just you just no. got to keep plugging away. It's brutal. 
it has some Mount Washington to it. Yes, <laughs> not, not quite as, as long. That's not as long. Not as long, but but it's it's. I think it's almost a mile though. It, it feels that way anyway. <laughs> I'm running in Wilbraham on a race at Minichog High School on June 11th. It's the uh, Bay State NICU uh, NICU Family and Friends 5K and 10K. Great class. Yeah, I, I did it last year. It was one of the first races to take place after the pandemic was mm-hmm. kind of winding down. And yeah, it's a nice event. And so I'm, I'm running it again this year. So let's get back to your ultra marathons. And we, we, we talked about a couple. And I, I want to ask you about another one uh, that you did uh, in 2020. You embarked on a 100-mile run to support Rick's Place, which is a nonprofit in Wilbraham that provides grief support services. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Right. So Rick's Place, it offers services to children who have lost a parent or a grandparent. I knew for years I wanted to help Rick's Place in some capacity. So I reached out to Rick's Place and I ended up knowing a couple of people on the board and said, I'd, I'd like to run 100 miles and, and raise some money for you. And um They were more than happy. And then what ended up happening was when COVID hit, when I did my run in March of 2020, that's right when COVID took off in the area. That's just just when everything went cuckoo. That's right. Um, So uh, I think I had 20 people at the start, you know, mostly a family and some people from Rick's place and a couple friends. So, uh, yep, we plugged away for, uh, for as long as the knee held up. What time did you start? 10 o'clock. 10 a.m. And you ran overnight, right? You- yep. Yep. I made it to about 6.30 in the morning. And uh, my knee, it's funny, I've had two knee surgeries on my left knee, but my my right knee, it just it felt like I had that dagger in the side. And I was trying to, trying to keep it loose, tried to keep moving. And um, it just kept getting tighter and tighter. And it got to the point where I was limping. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, look, let's just try and walk. I hadn't walked to that point um, at 83 miles. So I was like, all right, let's just try and walk this out. Let's keep moving forward. Well, it was cold. And mm-hmm. I didn't know it. I love running in the cold for one thing. Mm-hmm. You get yeah. 30 degree day, I'll run all day. And, um, and it was, it got down below 30 that night. I had no clue. I stopped running started walking and within a hundred feet i was like this shivering yeah i mean so you had people with you doing segments but you know was anyone running with you at one in the morning i relied on a trick and um, i downloaded some of my favorite comedians put my buds in and just listen to some of my favorite comedians Rodney Dangerfield, Stephen Wright, Eddie Murphy, for for hour after hour when it was dark. Awesome. So now you're planning another ultra marathon uh, this month to raise money for suicide prevention and mental health awareness. So could you talk about that? Yeah. So if the pandemic taught us anything, it's that just like physical health, we all have mental health. And just like physical health, if we don't take care of our mental health, there are going to be problems. And it's tough to say, but it, but it's true. Mental health is still one of those subjects that some people are very reluctant to discuss, very reluctant to admit, um, even within families, still taboo subject to talk about 
certain people who act certain ways. And um, that's not helping. It's not turn the look in the other way doesn't do any good. And, it, and it's just time. It is time. In my opinion, we got a broken system for one thing. And um, it is time to normalize talking about mental health. So, so you'd um, put some statistics out on your Facebook page. So from 2000 to 2018, suicide rates increased by 30%. Suicide's the 10th leading cause of death. It's the second highest cause of death in the 10 to 34 year old group. Yep. There's more than twice as many suicides a year than homicides. And 20% of adults suffer from depression, which is you know, a 3% increase from five years ago. And Including myself. That's um, certainly a, a worthy cause that you're um, running for. So you're going to run 24 hours. The date is April 23rd. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, at the United Church in Wilbraham. And I mapped out just so you're not uh, going up Munson Road then. Well, we'll pass on that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that'll be part of the 24 hour run. Yeah. yeah, some people have asked me, you know, you know, why didn't I do a course? And there, there's two reasons. One, for something of this distance <clears throat> and this length of time, I like to be in control as much as possible. So if I am on a short course, just like I did for my Rick's Place run, I had a one mile loop all in um, the um, post office park area. And uh, so for this, it's just a half mile out on the sidewalk and a half mile back. Cause um, you know, in that way it's all flat. Yeah. I know where I am. And, uh, but also my crew, you know, to mm-hmm. have my family strung out all over Massachusetts for 24 hours, you know, in the middle yeah. of the night, just that's, that's not what I want right. to do. I've done that once when I, I ran one New Year's day from the Massachusetts, Connecticut border in Aguam up to the Massachusetts, Vermont border, New Hampshire, excuse wow. me. And that was 52 miles. Um, but uh, you know, my wife and son were, were along the whole way. So that was a lot. But the other reason why I picked such a small area was visibility because it's a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be over in Timbuktu and nobody knows why I'm there. So mm-hmm. if I have a one central location, one tent, one table, mm-hmm. um, I'll have signs all along the course. So it's going to look like an event. So I'm hoping to pique the interest of some people passing by. Yeah. So how's your training been going for this? Yeah, it's, it's really good. I might be off a day, it's a couple Wednesdays ago, let's see, like the 14th, if that's a, if that's a Monday, excuse me, I did 100K. 100K, okay. Two miles. I was running wise, it was 11 and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Moving time, though, it was 12 and a half. Mm-hmm. So I, I was mm-hmm. continually moving mm-hmm. for 12 and a half hours. So that that was a good sign. Um, my quads exploding at mile 40 um, was not a good sign. I think it was, that was like the first sunny day we've had, or the first mm-hmm. sunny day I've had to run a long distance in. So I think I maybe didn't drink enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but prior to that, I did a 54 miler, 43 miler, 40 miler, 250 mm-hmm. Ks, and mm-hmm. four marathons. Wow. So how can people donate to support you? in this cause. Thank you. So there's two ways people can go, well, I guess three, 
go to my Facebook page, Boo Wells, and in my latest post, I have the, the donation link in there. Uh, people can also, the, the fundraisers for the Mental Health Association, uh, Inc., uh, that is located in Springfield. So it's a, a local organization and you can go to their donate page. Yeah, I believe the website is mhainc.org. Yes, that's it. mhainc.org slash donate slash. And then also people can donate at the event. Super. And then last October, you also participated in the Four Run Three Running Festival for Mental Health Awareness, along with Tim and Jill Murphy. Um, did you talk about that event? Right. So I was planning on doing this event in October, November, somewhere in there. I love running in the cool weather. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I did a 40-miler in May, and it was brutal it was warm mm-hmm. i just i struggled i hit like mile 31 and i struggled that last 10 miles just nothing in the tank but in order to do a 24-hour run i knew i had to do something around 50 and something around 60 and the thought of doing that in the summer i was like yeah mm-hmm. no thanks <laughs> no. no so that's when i went to tim and jill and said hey I'd like to do something in the fall still to raise awareness about uh, mental health and the Massachusetts uh, Mental Health Association. Would you mind hosting a marathon? They're more than happy. Uh, they actually, ho- it was a running festival at a 5K, a half marathon and a marathon. And what, what was so great, even though I didn't see it because I was running the marathon, some people who are in one of MHA's programs came mm-hmm. out and did the 5k as so I was oh, like, nice. that made all the efforts worth it right there. Wow. Do you know if this is going to be an annual event? No, this will be a one shot deal. I, it's all oh, the marathon. Well, I don't want to the, speak the, Yeah. That. The running festival. Right. Right. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean, I don't expect you to run 24 hours every year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I haven't talked to them about that, but um, one more reason to go stop at four run three. Yeah, right. So I'm training for the Boston Marathon, which is nice. less than two weeks away. And so I've been running with Four Run 3, and it's been a great group to run with. Good, yes. Joe and Tim, they do a great job. Joe gives a lot of great advice, and so I'd recommend that to anyone. Yep. They do great things over there. Yeah, they do. So I want to transition now to some of your books. So you, you like to write, of course, we haven't worked for the Springfield newspapers for 25 years. And, uh, but what motivated you then to start writing books? I, I know you mentioned the, the first book run for Rwanda was originally a screenplay. Right. So i had had the run for Rwanda idea bubbled up in me for five years. So I, I would think about it a lot, but I just couldn't sit down to write it. My wife and I went to the movies. It was late February. I could figure out the year here if I really tried, but within the last few years. And it was a movie. They were, they were replaying the movies that were up for Oscars. Like, okay, we'll go see this movie. And it finished. And it was fine. It was. It was a fine movie. People stand up and start cheering. (laughs) I remember turning around and kind of saying to myself, I can do that. 
So coincidentally, at Wolverine Muslim Academy, we were going on break. We have a spring break like college, um, but for two weeks, came home, just started typing, just started knocking it out. Oh. So uh, that's what, that's kind of what kickstarted everything. Also at the same time that year, my wife and I had become empty nesters mm-hmm. and I, I am not good bored. I have got to be doing something. So, uh, so that, that played into it also just kind of keeps the mind moving. Right, um, and right. ever since then, I've, I've been writing. That's awesome. And like I said earlier, I enjoyed the book. You also sponsor a boy from Waranda. Could you talk about that process? Francois. So, uh, yeah, just something, uh, <clears throat> you know, we all have our, our little things. And um, that was just kicking around in me to sponsor someone in a African country. So I just did a lot of poking around and found this. And it was also that the organization was um, recommended to me. Mm-hmm friend I trusted. So I was like, okay. So then did my research and uh, Francois was very young at the time, the youngest of uh, many children in a family. So we, um, I don't write as much as I'd like. I mean, they they don't have internet. So Mm -hmm. um, we got to go. It's, it's back to old school writing letters. Mm -hmm. So I try and write a letter uh, every once in a while and include some little, just a little trinket in there. I've sent a couple packages. So uh, just, just something. And I hope to get there someday. Just a bit about the books. Book follows concurrent stories of Semi, who's a 12 year old Tutsi who escaped the Hutu after his family was one of 1 million people who were killed during the 1994 genocide. And then Christian American. He grew up in Maine and lived in Massachusetts. And, and then Christian eventually adopted Simmies. Some kind of loose parallels, I think, between the story and, and your life. <laughs> Those parts I would like to change. But, I, but what I did was I combined my love for history. I love history. And, um, and my love for running and kind of combined it into a story. Yeah. So then you wrote a second book, Uno, which tackles the topic of abusive relationships and suicides. So um, can you talk about that book a bit? Yeah. So it was uh, about three weeks after I had released Run for Rwanda and um, got a phone call that our daughter was in an abusive relationship. I had no idea. She was at college. We had no idea. So then we met with a counselor down there and um she explained everything to us it was like oh my god like all 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 the light bulbs went on at that point it's like oh okay now we understand Mm -hmm. anyway that night just really got into okay why do people stay in abusive relationships because it sounds so simple well if you're in a bad relationship just get out well not that simple Mm -hmm. so did a lot of research. It was either that night or the next night. I decided I was going to write something. I don't know if it was my way of trying to fight the good fight or um, I just suddenly had all this information. It, part of it was I wanted to fight the good fight. That's for sure. Um, but also I had all this information in, in me now. And I thought it was information that 48 hours earlier, I didn't know. Yeah. You must have had a lot of emotions. I mean, um, you know, yeah, must, part of you must have been angry. Yeah. Did you know the person uh, who yeah. 
But anyway, so the, the proceeds from your book, UNO, they support Safe Passage, which is a Northampton-based nonprofit that supports survivors of domestic violence. So anyone who's run the hot chocolate run in December is familiar with Safe Passage. Uh, it's, that's a huge event every December. That's a great cause that you support. Uh, have you ever, by the way, have you ever run the hot chocolate run? No, but same thing. I covered it for a number of years. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember it was always cold, but it's a great event. So I believe you published these books yourself using Amazon Kindle publishing tools. And, and so I'm, I'm a little familiar with that because uh, a couple of years ago, my wife and I wrote a small book called It's Okay to 5K. Yeah. It's a collection of humorous short stories related to running. It's only 62 pages, though, and that includes some pictures as well. <laughs> but it started out as a blog. It was like we, um, we had retired and we had a little extra time on our hands. And, and so we, we'd write these blog posts. And my wife was really the, uh, the brainchild behind it. So we combined them in, into a book. So in addition to your books, you've also written screenplays and you've produced and directed some short videos. Um, in fact, I was doing kind of research on our conversation and I, I found one on YouTube called Santa Flaws are Coming to Town. And yes. hum humorous. So what motivated you to write and direct screenplays? So after I published the two books, I decided, okay, no, I I, what I want to do is write a screenplay. So I did. And it's just one of those things, you know, the more, the more you get into it, the more you learn, kind of the more you learn, you're not doing it the right way. So it's just a matter of keep trying to get better, keep trying to get better. The very competitive field, the person has a better chance of playing in the NFL than having a screenplay made. But one tip I kept picking up was you can really help yourself if you make your own film, because now it gives you something. It gives you something concrete. I made this. So that's why I made two shorts one comedy and one horror. I'm not a horror guy, but my boss had scuba gear and I had an idea. So, um, <laughs> so I made two short films last summer and um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So, um, but it's work. So what's your favorite genre? You like comedy? Uh... Well, I prefer comedy. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. question. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then after that, it'd be drama. So, um, Yep. You're still working on being discovered by Hollywood someday then. Correct. It's, it's a long road. Believe it. The, the, again, the more I read, the more I see that, like, if you stick with it mm -hmm. and you're talented, 10 to 12 years is when you break in. It's yeah. like, okay, well, we'll just keep mm -hmm. plugging away here. What about theater? You know, the, the, um, so I mentioned Rick Rubin earlier, who um, had organized the Rubin Romp up Munson Road. And uh, he, um, he directs plays and he's, from Hamden. And, and so yeah. they have, they put on plays uh, at a local theater. And uh, mm -hmm. so, so maybe that's something, uh, something right. to think about as well for you. But <laughs> So Bill, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast and best of luck on your 24 hour run on April 23rd to support suicide prevention and mental health awareness. Um, and so again, if folks want to donate, they can go to MHA inc.org slash donate flash. And this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me, Tim. Really appreciate it. All right. Take care. Thank you. On previous podcasts, I've mentioned the New York Times running newsletter. It's free and frequently contains interesting topics related to running. 
I googled back issues of the newsletter, and one that stood out to me was the March 6th newsletter on how to deal with running injuries. And the April 2nd newsletter contains tips on nutrition. During season one of this podcast, I typically provided a list of upcoming races in Western Mass. Since races were just returning after being canceled during the pandemic, there were fewer races than usual, and it didn't take too long to go through the list. But I just took a look at the Greater Springfield Harriers website, and there were 25 local races listed between now and the end of May. Rather than recite that list here, I recommend that you go to the Greater Springfield Harriers website to check out the list on your own. You can also check out Running in the USA website for races. In the Connecticut, there's the run169towns.org website and the Hartford Marathon Foundation. However, I do want to mention the weekly race series organized by local running clubs that are starting up in April. On Monday evenings at 6.30, the Empire One Running Club will host three-mile cross-country races at Stanley Park in Westfield. However, these Monday night races don't start until April 25th. On Tuesday evenings at 6.30 p.m., the Sugarloaf Mountain Athletic Club hosts 5K cross-country races that start on Burt's Pitts Road in Northampton. The first race of the year on Tuesday, April 5th, attracted 59 runners. On Wednesday evenings, the Greater Springfield Harriers will host their Summer Sizzler events at Forest Park. However, the first event of this series, an 8K on-road race, is actually on Tuesday, April 19th. The second event of the series is a 5K cross-country race that takes place the next evening, Wednesday, April 20th. On subsequent Wednesday evenings, the races alternate between an 8K on-road race and a 5K cross-country race. All races start at 6.30 p.m. And on Thursday evenings at 6.30 p.m., the Empire One Running Club hosts 5K races at Ashley Reservoir in Holyoke. The first race of the year on April 7th attracted 58 runners on a rainy night. And the Holyoke Elks is open for post-race food, drink, and fun. I attended the Western Mass Runners Hall of Fame 2022 induction ceremony in March. The guest speaker was Joe Martino, who wrote the book On the Run, Friendships and Finish Lines, and was a guest on my podcast last year, along with Bill Rogers. Twelve runners were inducted into the Hall of Fame, including Dick Arsenault, the longtime president of the Empire One Running Club. I think that I got Dick to agree to record a podcast with me. I don't have that one scheduled yet, but hope to record a conversation with Dick soon. I'm now tapering for the Boston Marathon on April 18th, and we'll provide my impressions in the next podcast. You can download the BAA racing app to track your favorite runners. Good luck to all runners, especially those from Western Mass. Thank you for listening to the Let's Run Western Mass Running Podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and share with your friends. And as always, happy running!